Okay, good morning, everyone. This is Rabbi Ben-Sion Klatsko on J-Root Radio, and it is a pleasure to be with you this morning. I'm sorry for the late start, but Be'ez Hashem, we should have an inspirational time together. I hope you had a beautiful, wonderful, inspiring Shabbos. I know that we certainly did. We opened up our home to lots and lots of guests, and Baruch Hashem, we had nearly 100 people coming, being inspired, and, um, you know, what more can one ask than to see a room that is a mixture of Bale Tshuva, Gerim, uh, pre, uh, pre uh, Bale Tshuva, people at risk, people who just became from, people who want to become from, everything, everything sort of combined together to make this amazing cacophony, this amazing uh, connection and, um, and that's going to tie into what we're going to speak about today. Um, and, uh, and I hope, as Hashem, you all will enjoy. And um, I really feel what we're going to say today, because today's talk is so critical. It's so important. Our discussion is the kind of discussion that you don't want to miss. And if you know somebody who listens to, to the program uh, regularly, and they're not on today, or somebody who usually is on, and uh, you know, and they're just they left the room. You may want to tell them to come right back and listen up, because uh, because they're going to enjoy what we have to say today. Today, we are going to speak about the eight. Keys to finding a happy and great life. And this is not something you may have heard before. This is something quite different. And these eight keys that we're going to plow through over the next hour and 20 minutes or so are, uh, are they're game changers. They really are. And I think you're going to enjoy them. And we're going to launch right into them. First off, What's the point of living an amazing life, a great life? The answer is you only have one life. And Gilgulam aside, since you probably won't remember who you are if you're a Gilgul, this is your chance to make something of yourself. And you don't have thousands of years or hundreds of years or even many tens of years. You know, we're, we're, till we're 20, we're sort of clueless. As we start getting a clue, by the time we turn around, we're 40, and we've hit middle age. And then we have another 20 years, and then we're 60, and uh, we're hanging on. And it goes by very quick. The, the, the entirety of a person's major kayak is, you know, fits somewhere within four zero years. Four zero. that's not a lot. And therefore, we need to grab the moments and create greatness out of them. That will be our legacy. That will be what we will hand on to the hand over to the world. That's going to be what we teach our children when they mention us with reverence, with awe, with love. They're going to look at us and say was my tati and mommy, was my abba and ima, daddy and mommy, were they great people? Did they accomplish great things? 
So it's really important to be able to to live a great life. And so many of us have this amazing potential that nothing nothing really comes of it. It starts off really exciting and optimistic, and we want to conquer the world, want to change the world, and then bills hit and credit cards and mortgages and this difficulty and that difficulty and that sorrow and this challenge. And eventually we go from offense to defense. We go from the mode of being able to change the world to saying, you know what, I haven't done anything of the sort. Maybe my kids will do it for me. You know, last Sunday was the Super Bowl. And um, it's sort of unfortunate uh, that the world is so obsessed with the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl and the lessons of the Super Bowl are um, they're sort of the antithesis of what Judaism teaches. And what they are is the following. This past week, the Denver Broncos, not, last, not, not this Sunday, but last Sunday, the Denver Broncos, who had an amazing season, lost the Super Bowl in epic fashion. Now, how do I know that? Am I a Denver fan? No, I'm not even a football fan, but I know because I was visiting my daughter in Denver, and I happened to be there on Sunday, the day that the city was going crazy over the Super Bowl. And the president of the shul that I davened at was wearing his Super Bowl tie, and everyone was speaking about the Super Bowl, and they had an early Minchan shul so that people could watch the Super Bowl, and people had bought Lachaims to celebrate by Myers after they assumed the, uh, their Broncos would win. And when their Broncos lost in really historic fashion, the sadness was so tangible, people hung their heads low as if it was a personal failing, as if they themselves had failed. And me being an out-of-towner and just trying to keep things happy and up, I said, okay, fellas, don't worry, there's always next year. And they looked at me sadly and they said, no, there's no next year. We're not going to follow anymore. We're not going to follow the Broncos. This is not for us. And, and that's, that's, um, that was the feeling. Everyone gave up. A lot of years. Now, you know and I know that come next season, after they have time to lick their wounds and uh, the Denver community decides, you know what, it's not a bad team. Let's see. Maybe this will be the year. Then perhaps... They will come back, and I'm sure they will. But what's the lesson? The lesson is that you can be a team that makes it to the biggest game in football, and you beat every foe, and you've got a great story, and you've got a quarterback who's almost 40 years old, and he has a historic season, and everything is great. But if you don't win that final game, then everything was for nothing. And that is not what Judaism teaches. And that is not a good lesson to teach our children. Could you imagine? If you don't win that final game, 
then everything is worth nothing. For us, every victory is its own merit. Every victory is its own Super Bowl. Every time we're Koivish Aryetzer, every time we watch our eyes, every time we exercise some self-control, each of these opportunities are opportunities to become great, and each of these are an individual victory. And the lesson of the Super Bowl is that that's not true. If you're not the ultimate champion, Lahavdil, <coughs> if you don't become Ramosha Feinstein, you don't become the greatest of the great, then everything that you do and everything that you say is pretty much meaningless. What a tragic and sad um, and, and sad commentary and lesson to teach our Kindlech. We want to be great. And we need to have lots of little victories, and each one is a victory. But I want to give you eight keys to become amazing, great people. And through these keys, and, uh, and I'm going to take a break over here for a moment in order for you to call your friends. If you have somebody who's a little bit down, somebody who feels uh, a little bit depressed, that they're not accomplishing Maybe you have a friend who could use this kind of chizuk to hear the eight keys to living an awesome life to achieve greatness. I'm going to take a break. We're going to take a quick commercial break so that you can call them and tell them, Rabbi Klatz goes on the radio. You really got to listen. This is going to change your life because it will. So I'm going to tell you that this show is sponsored by Shabbat.com. Shabbat.com is my website, S-H-A-B-B-A-T, not Shabbos.com. I wish I had that, but instead we have Shabbat.com, and we have almost 50,000 members. Each week, 6,000 people get invited for Shabbos, and it is one of the great chasadim that exists in the world today. It's been endorsed by a multitude of gadolim, a multitude. Even though it's on the web, it has been endorsed by Rav Arn Feldman, <coughs> by Rav Belsky, by Rav Noach Orlowick, by Rav Elia Ber Vachtvogel, and on and on, Rav Pesach Kron, Rav Feshel Schechter, Rav Yitzchak David Grossman, Rav Ruven Feinstein, Rav Mordechai Torsky, all of these gadolim have you seen and spoken about this site, and they're very excited that there exists a chesed organization that is able to reach so many people so effectively. So if you would like to be a host on the site and invite people, I now have a new incentive for you to do that. Listen carefully. This week we began a program called The Mystery Guest on Shabbat.com. And it will, it will run every single week till the end of the year. And the way that it works is that our staff each week picks one guest, one person who signed up as a guest on the site. And anyone who invites that guest, if you invite that guest and that guest comes to you for Shabbos, after Shabbos you will be notified and you and the guest instantly win a ticket to Eretz Yisrael. You fly there, you daven by the Koizel, 
you give you give a Klal Chizuk. If you invite the mystery guest and they come to you, then you instantly win a ticket, you and the guest, to Eretz Yisrael for free. Now, what if you actually invited that guest who turned out to be the mystery guest, but they couldn't come that week? You are still put in a raffle to win a ticket to Eretz Yisrael. So if they come, you win instantly. If they can't come, you have a second chance at winning. All you need to do is get on Shabbat.com, find some Geshmaka people, invite them, enhance your Shabbos. There are lots of levels of security on the site. People who have, uh, who have invited people have come away and said, this has been an extraordinary experience. The, the ability to do chesed for almanas, yisayimim, lonely people, geirim, baalei, tshuva, single people, people looking for shaduchim. It all exists on the site, and it will enhance your life. And who knows, you get that call on Sunday and say, congratulations, you are going to Eretz Yisrael. It will certainly feel worthwhile. So that's called the mystery guest on Shabbat.com. And let me remind you that not only are there Shidduchim on the website as well, so you can find a Shidduch for whoever is looking, and the Shidduch site is growing by leaps and bounds. You click Shabbat.com, you log on, and if you yourself are single, you create a Shidduch profile. If you have a son or a daughter or a friend, urge them to do so. And then you click the heart at the top of the page, and you can see all sorts of people who are looking for Shaduchim. And one last thing we need to remind you, Rabbi Jeravel and all of the Parsha tapes that you know and love and that help your Kindlech become absolutely extraordinary, that those Parsha tapes that's normally 12 bucks a piece per Parsha are all available for free for members of Shabbat.com. So you can sign up for free membership, you can invite people, and you can tune in and choose the Parsha of the week. Your Kindlech can listen to it, you can listen to it. If you have a, what's called a smartphone, an iPhone, or an Android, you can get it right on your phone, you're driving. My wife does this all the time. The kids are in the back seat. She goes on to her phone, she logs on to Shabbat.com, she chooses the Parsha, and she puts the phone in the back, and the kids listen to the Parsha of the week on speakerphone. So all these golden opportunities to uh, all these golden opportunities to spread Torah and mitzvahs, and now you can end up with a ticket to Eretz Yisrael to boot. Okay, we're going to take a break. Please call your friends because we're going to Be'ezus Hashem change lives today. You are listening to Rabbi Ben Sion Klatsko on ninety-seven point five. FMJ Root Radio. Shikanda, it's a yadeha, 
Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning. I hope you brought your friends to the program because we are, as Hashem, going to give you the keys that you need and that we need and that I need to live amazing lives. But right before I do, I was speaking about how on Shabbat.com we offer Rabbi Jervel tapes for free, the Pasha tapes. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, Rabbi Jervel is my father-in-law. Now, obviously, we're not trying to make money here because we're giving away the tapes for free. But I wanted to, I wanted to let you know the following. You know, our, uh, we have 11 Kindelach, and our Kindelach listen to Rabbi Jervel tapes. Now, they call them Zaydi tapes, but they don't just listen because it's Zaydi. They listen because Rabbi Jervel tapes are known worldwide. And I think that as much as myself as a Tati is able to tell you what what listening to those tapes can do for Kindelach, I, I think we should hear from a mother who uh, gives the tapes to the children to listen to. So for the first time, I'm going to put my Kyle. Her name is Shani. Uh, she is right next to me. I'm going to put her on the phone just to let you know what effect listening to those tapes can have on your children and how to best use them uh, in order to be mechanic your children. So, uh, good morning, Shani. Hi, good morning, everyone. I would like to let everyone know how my children's chinuch is extremely based on listening to the Tyra tapes. It instills Yiras Shemayim and Apasa Tyra, and even though the Parsha tapes are the weekly Parshas, which they listen to all the time, there are lots of other topics that Rabbi Jerval addresses tzedakah and all sorts of other values that you want your children to be listening to. I don't shove it down the children's throat. It's not now I'm about to teach you a lesson and it's like school. It's the opposite. I sit them down with a bucket of Lego or Lincoln Logs or crayons, and as we sit down and play, I turn on a tape. And as they're playing, they listen to the tape, and they're absorbed with the tape, and they listen, and it basically it seeps in to the mamash, to the neshama, and they turn it over from side to side. They can listen to the same tape in one sitting a few times because they just can't get enough of it. And sometimes we discuss it, and I'll ask them questions, or we'll play trivia, and what was the name of this person, and which parasha did this happen in, and they get a thrill out of listening to it and answering the right questions. And my littlest boy, who's just turned four, is just got into it recently and is enthralled. He goes to sleep with it, he wakes up with it, he listens to it in the car. And nowadays it's actually CDs as well as tapes, mostly CDs. And besides that we have it on the phone, it's definitely an accessible tool. As a matter of fact, Friday morning, one of my neighbors passed through to drop off something, and he saw my son listening to the tape as he was coloring. And he had a wistful look in his eye, and he said, I wish I would have put this on for my children. His children were already a little older, and he, he felt like he missed the boat. But he really feels that they would have had a whole different had they listened, and I'm sorry to say that he was right. And I actually felt bad because it was one of the neighbors, and I thought I should have introduced them to it. I may have actually given them a one or two, but I should have been a little more proactive in encouraging it because it could have definitely change the chinuch of the children, and this is what they're attracted to. And when the children hear it, who doesn't love a story? 
the Parshiyas, even through Metatzava, even the ones with the Kabbanites, it's a story. And this is what happened. And it's exactly the Medrashim, you get the exact story. And there's no music, and there's no sound effects, there's no shtick. It's plain a story like a father would, or mother would be telling the child. But sometimes either the parent either is not knowledgeable enough or doesn't have the time, and they can also tell it to the child. But this is an incredible tool that whoever hasn't started yet, today is the day to start. Okay, thank you. Isn't she wonderful? You see, that's Baruch Hashem. Thank you so much. So my wife has now has now gone back to uh, uh, to doing her uh, her life's mission, raising the Kindlach and creating this house of Shalom, but um, a tremendous, tremendous Yashikayach to Tashani. Uh, and for all the parents that, uh, that use this tool, it's a big, big brachan, and uh, we should appreciate it. Okay, here we go. The eight ways to become great in life. Now, some of these are Beinola, Beinatzimo, some are Beinodom Lachavero, but each of these are keys to becoming great. Now, one of the rules that we're going to use for many of the eight, for eight keys is call me Ruach Habrius Noichehemenu, Ruach Hamakam Noichehemenu. Whenever the Brius, whenever others Enjoy you, enjoy your presence. When others feel comfortable around you, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Noichem, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu has pleasure from you. What an amazing rule to know. What an amazing rule. Whoever other people feel comfortable around, they, they feel pleasant around, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, wow, this person is of la mokum, of la brias, somebody that can spread Torah, somebody that makes my world a happier place. And that is a key. And therefore, that's that's the general rule. And therefore, key number one to becoming great is, here we go, number one, don't judge. Don't judge. Don't be the kind of person who everything is a judgment. You look at this person, and you got to judge them. This kind of hat, this kind of smile, and I don't just mean, by the way, in religiosity. I don't just mean in frumkite judging. I mean in general. In general. See, the general rule is that nobody likes to be judged. It is one of those things that we absolutely dread in life. We dread being judged. We dread, who likes to take a test? Do you remember when you were young and uh, you had a test? Or you were at the finals? Or even more difficult, you had a live bechina, an oral bechina, an oral test? You know why it was so tough? Because you felt judged. When you see a little kid who fights over two points, on uh, on a test, so getting a, 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 a 98 instead of a 96. Is it just for bragging rights? Perhaps. But I don't think it's just that. 
it is also because we live in a society where everyone feels judged. And if you could be that kind of person who walks around on earth, you walk around and you show people that you accept them, and it doesn't mean that you're brain dead, it doesn't mean that you're oblivious, but it just means that judging others is not part of your makeup. And the truth is we all judge to a degree. We have to judge whether somebody is a danger to us, right? Flight or, fr- uh, flight or fight is what it's called. So we look and we have to judge, is this, is this the kind of person who uh, could be a danger to me? Is this the kind of person who will be my spia on me, good or not good? Even so, in general, to be the kind of person who everyone else feels, you accept me, therefore I can learn from you. You accept me who I am for who I am. You accept me whether I'm grossly overweight or underweight. You accept me whether I wear these kind of shoes or those kind of shoes, whether I'm very talkative or whether I'm very quiet, whether my sense of humor is funny or whether it's not funny. You accept me whether I drive a fancy car or whether I don't drive a fancy car, whether my house is big or small, whether I attend my kids' PTA or not. You accept me, and therefore I want to be around you. Not judging is the number one key to being somebody that Ruach Habriya is Noicha Hemenu. That's why Chazal say, Al Todim Ez Chavercha Ad Shatagiel Don't judge your friend until you reach their place. What does that mean? It simply means don't judge your friend because you will never be my Gyalim Mekaymai. You will never know what they went through, what their struggles were. You will never know. We had a girl the Shabbos who was one of our many guests, and her uh, skirt was uh, less than adequate in terms of Sneers, Lahalacha. So, you know, my, you know she, she was the kind of girl that we knew would be macabre. So we did say something quietly, privately, of course, that maybe this is such a thing. If she, she was speaking about how mechuzak she had gotten, how much chizak she had received over Shabbos. And she heard it, and she accepted it, but she said it to me something else. She said, I want to tell you, Rabbi, just so you should know where I have come from, to where I am right now because I have come from so far back. It's been such a large journey for me. I was 40 below. So now if I'm too above, I've really risen 42 points. You're right. It is, um, I, I did not, I, I, I'm not up to 50 or whatever the numbers signify. But I've grown tremendously. Okay, so that is number one. Don't judge. And if you don't judge, then you won't be judged. When people are judged, then we don't get their, we don't get their real self. 
my children in general, growing up, I did not have them stand next to me by davening. The truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is that I didn't grow up like this. I used to, uh, I, I, st- I stood next to my father during davening. And there are certainly advantages to standing next to your tati. But the one disadvantage, which I guess I found, and, um, and it was something that I wanted to work uh, with my children on, was the fact that they shouldn't be davening to me. They shouldn't feel judged. You ever see little kinderlach, and they're standing next to their father, and they're davening, maybe quickly or maybe not, and you see them looking up, and by looking up, what they're really doing is they're, they, they are... Um, they they are uh, they they feel like they're being judged by their father in how they're davening, and because they feel judged like that, then they feel like they can't actually uh, give the kind of davening that they should be giving, because they're davening to their father, not to Hashem, and that's not the chinuch, and therefore not judging someone is a grand key to being ruach habriyos nachemenu. So. There are good books um, to read on the subject. I want to give you one by Rabbitson Samet called The Other Side of the Story. And this will let you know that being done lekavizchus, which means judging favorably, which is uh, perhaps uh, the great exercise not to judge, is judging favorably. Because when you judge favorably, you don't really know if your judgment is true or not. You don't know if by being done lekavos you have actually figured out what was going on. But what you've done is you've created reasonable doubt so that you can't judge. That's the greatness of judging favorably. That's the greatness of being done lekavos You're done lekavos thus you're not going to judge at all. So number one, you want to live a great life? Walk the earth as a person who does not judge. Okay, number two, connected to this, but it stands on its own. You want to be a person who ruach habrias noicha hemenu. You want to be the kind of person that people will come to for advice and guidance. You want to be the kind of parent who will always have a uh, deep connection with your children. You want to be the kind of rebbe or teacher, or leader, that others feel that they can be open in front of? Here's the key, number two. Learn how to validate. Learn how to validate. What is validating? Validating is when a person is going through whatever sorrow they're going through, Whatever difficulty, whatever challenge, even if for you the challenge is not a challenge at all, but for them it's a big challenge. If you machavek with it, if you move it aside, if you if you marginalize the challenge the other person is going through, if you dismiss it with some sort of a cliche remark, with some sort of a pat saying the person will not feel validated. And therefore, they will continue to
to struggle and and try to prove themselves. Validating is the key to allowing people to know that they were heard and understood. There are many reasons to do bicker Choylem. When you do bicker Choylem, you take away a certain amount of their pain. Um, the Gemara says that you take away one-sixtieth. If you're a Ben Giloy, you take away one-sixtieth of the illness. If you are Mavakar Choylem, another advantage is that you uh, show the doctors and nurses, that this person is chashev because they have visitors, they have guests, and this will cause them to receive better care, better treatment. There are all sorts of reasons to do the mitzvah of Beker Cholim, but I will give you another reason. When people are sick, one of the things that they need desperately is validation. They need to know that you understand their pain, their suffering, and when it is marginalized, then there is a horrible feeling. It's bad enough that they feel sick, but the fact that it's not validated makes them feel all the more desperate and then all the more sick, almost like they have to prove that their illness is for real and they're not going into work or they're not going to school or they're not able to engage with you properly simply because, simply because they um, don't feel validated. When somebody has a worker, and the worker is having a struggle, a difficult time, and they're going through things at home, for example, if you say, look, leave your tsars at home, you're here to work, so then the person doesn't feel validated. And the person says in their mind, if you would only know how difficult things are for me, you wouldn't be speaking that way. And therefore, it just exacerbates the situation. It makes them feel even more desperate to somehow prove, to somehow show how difficult their situation is. It certainly is not productive in terms of getting your worker back on track. But instead, if you said to the worker, listen, you know what, I really feel bad for you, or like I'm really there with you, I know how difficult it must be to uh, be going through what you're going through. You know, I have a lovely daughter-in-law whose mother uh, just left. She was here uh, visiting from out of the country, and she just left. And I looked at my daughter-in-law's face this morning, and she looked sad. So instead of saying, you know, get over it, you know, parents come and go. It's only a plane ticket away. You could always Skype. You could always speak by phone. Instead, I said, wow, that's really sad. It's really painful. It must be so difficult. Feeling validated allows us to move on. It allows our, uh, our difficulty uh, to... Uh, be concretized, and it, it, it just—it's part of us. It allows my life experience not just to be my view, but to be something that is real. It's reality. So learn how to validate. It's so key, and I would even challenge you. The truth is, I was going to give you exercises for each of these eight keys, and maybe I'm going to do that. I'll, I'll do number two, and then we'll go back to number one. 
in a moment. Number two, you want to learn to validate once a day. This is not a once a month thing. This is a once a day thing at least. Once a day, look at somebody who relies on you, who looks up to you, who looks to you for support, and validate. If they look tired, say, wow, it must be so difficult to clean the house. Or, wow, you really worked hard putting the kids to bed. Or, wow, you really worked hard trying to bring home a paycheck. Wow, let me, let me help you. Let me get you a tea. Wow, right, to validate, to allow that person's difficulty to be not just in their heads, but a reality. I can live with reality. I can't live with a figment of my own imagination. That doesn't work for me. So validate. So once a day to validate. And the, the exercise of don't judge, the exercise is once a day also. If you see somebody who in whatever way rubs you the wrong way, or you right away want to leap to judgment about that person, try to look at that person and say, you know what, if I were in their shoes, I would be the same. Or who knows, maybe I would be worse. Or maybe things would be more difficulty, but more difficult. Could you imagine people who are who judge ultimately don't ju- does just judge individuals, but they end up judging entire groups, and therefore we can judge an entire group. Let's judge modern Orthodox. Let's judge Hasidim. Let's judge Breslov. Let's judge Yeshivish. Let's judge Chafetz Chaim. Let's judge Tells. Let's judge. Let's judge. Let's clump them all together rather than understand that each person has a different background and each person is growing to the best of their ability the best way that they know how. So there you go. Don't judge was number one. Number two is learn to validate. And we're going to try that also once a day. Validate. And, and by the way, when you validate, validating has to be something that you speak out. Not judging is, you don't have to say anything. It's more of an attitude that, that you project. But to validate, you actually have to say words. So work on saying words of validation. You could start with your spouse if you're married. Validate them or validate your children when they come home and they say, wow, it's such a hard day. In your mind or, don't, or, or outright, don't say, well, you had a hard day. How hard could, could fifth grade be? Come on. You don't have bills. You don't have a mortgage. You don't have deadlines. Fifth grade, what did you have to do? Did you color something extra? What did you learn? Division? But instead, remember, for your fifth grader, Fifth grade is difficult. And homework, every moment of homework is agony because your kid could be playing outside. They're only in fifth grade. They're only 10 years old. So validate your child, and your child will appreciate it. Okay, number three, third way to become great. We have a choice in life, and the choice is how we look at the world. We can look at it as if the cup is half full or as, it, or as if it's half empty. And that's what we call to be an optimist or a pessimist. Work on becoming an optimist. It's a very 
simple, simple idea. Sometimes I'll speak to people and they'll say, oh, Rabbi, I'm more of a pessimist. Well, don't be. Don't be. Work on yourself. Be an optimist. Go outside and say, thank you, Bore Oilam, for the air in my lungs. Thank you, Bore Oilam, for the eyes in my head where I can see the beautiful snow. And it's true, my wheels are spinning, and I may have to call Chaveram, I may have to get towed, but I have a car. Thank you, Bore Oilam, that I have a car. Things are going to work out. You know, there are three kinds of people. My brother-in-law once, once, once was magdirit like this to me. He said there are three kinds of people. One who says, you know what, it probably won't work. Whatever they're going to do, it probably won't work. The second kind of person says, you know, it may work, it may not. I'll try my best. And then the third kind of person who says, it's going to work. There's Hashem. We'll figure out a way. We'll find a way, and it will work, and I will make it work. I'll have Siat Dishmaya, and there'll be great lessons learned in the process, but it's going to work. To be the eternal optimist, to be that force of positivity, where people will look at you, even when the going is rough, and they'll see how you are and how you handle yourself, and they will learn from you and they'll grow from you. That is point number three. Be an optimist. Sing to yourself. Whistle to yourself. Snap to yourself. Put on some geschmacken music if you need it. But look at the world through beautiful, beautiful rose-colored glasses. It's not that that's not the real world. It's that you create your own reality. You know, there's such a thing, there's such a science called quantum physics. And quantum physics, among its many uh, facets and aspects, is that reality is what we make it. And that's, that's so. The reality is what we make it. If we decide a certain reality, then that becomes the reality, not my reality, that becomes the reality. So if that is so, and there's a lot to be said about that, then being an optimist is not just a placebo, it's not just a fine idea, it's a game changer. By being optimistic, you can literally change things for good for yourself. Who doesn't want to change things for good? So point number three, how to live an outstanding life, is be an optimist. There is no room for pessimism in this world. There is no room for a healthy person to look at the world at the glass like it's half empty. You know why? Because you have a glass. And there's stuff in the glass, and maybe more stuff is going to come in the glass. And maybe all you need is that half. And maybe you could share that half, and you'll just drink a quarter, and someone else will drink a quarter. But to live an optimistic life is one of those great choices that can help change everything. So exercise. When you finish this radio show, I want you to look in the mirror. Give yourself a big, fat smile and say things are going to be okay. And even though you have your challenges and you have your tsars and 
difficulty with Shaduchim, and maybe divorce, and maybe Parnassah, and maybe children, and maybe Rufus and Yeshuas, and all of that to try to look at the world optimistically. Okay, number four. Critical rule to becoming great. You ready for this, everyone? Number four. The past is in the past. The past is in the past. There is a halacha. We don't remind a ger that they're a ger. We don't remind a baal tshuva of their averis. The past is in the past. And even though we may have utterly failed in many aspects in our life, guess what? So have I. So have every one of the listeners to this radio show. So has every other person on planet Earth. We have all failed many times over and over and over. You're not special. You're not specially bad, is what I mean to say. You're not, a, there's nothing about you that is particularly awful that you cannot close the door on and say, Mikan Vahala, from here on, life changes. Mikan Vahala, the past is in the past. Whatever I did, whatever I said, whoever I was is not who I am now. And we have the ability to change at any moment. Can you imagine that? You could change in a moment and close the door on the past. And therefore, it's one of the great, uh, it's one of the great um, devious schemes of the Yetzirah of the evil inclination, that he gets us to believe that we are now who we were in the past. It's simply not true. We are different people. You are different than you were yesterday, and you're not the same nourished person that you were a year ago, and certainly who you were five years ago. You leave it in the past. The Baal Shem Tov says, a beautiful mushal. He says there was a fellow from the village who saved up an entire year to, to buy new boots. And finally the year was over, and he goes to the big city, and he goes into the a shoe store, to the shoe salesman, and he says, give me a pair of your finest boots. And the man takes out these gleaming, ornate, expensive boots, and he says to the man, can you afford this? And the man says, I sure can. And he puts on the counter all the money for these amazing boots and puts on the boots and he's so proud of himself and he's going to go back to the little village and everyone is going to see how stultzy he is, how cool he is, how handsome, how regal, how important. And he's so excited to show it to his little village that he decides to take a shortcut to get there. And he takes a shortcut through a field and it had just been raining so he ends up walking through the field, and as he walks, he finds himself in deep mud. And he looks down at his boots, and they're full of mud. And he has Khalisha Sadas. He feels terrible. So he picks up his right foot, and he scrapes off the mud from his boots with a stick that's in his hand. And when he finishes with his right boot, 
he picks up his left boot and he, again he scrapes off the mud. But when he finishes, he looks down at his right foot and again it's muddy. So he does the right foot again. But now his left one is muddy and he keeps going back and forth, right, left, right, left. Finally, the fellow who owns the field, who's looking out of the window at this ridiculous sight, screams to him and says, My friend, leave the field. Later on, there'll be plenty of time to scrape off your boots. But you can't scrape them off while you're still in the field. So just press on. Move forward. Says the Baal Shem Tov, that's the key to becoming great. Move forward. Let the past be in the past. There'll be time later on. There'll be a Elul. There'll be a Rosh Hashanah. There'll be a Yom Kippur. There'll be time for introspection. But for now... Press on forward, muddy boots and all, muddy boots and all. You, 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 you know, take the past and leave it there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows us to forget because part of forgetting is to forget all of those things that uh, we, we messed up on because some of those things, if not all of them, we needed to make us who we are today. Number five, key to becoming great. And this is a really obvious one, but even though it's obvious, it needs to be spoken out because if you don't speak this out, then you cannot complete this list. Number five, you want to become a great person, you need to exercise self-control. Self-control is the key to greatness. There's never been a great person in the history of the world who didn't know how to exercise self-control. Never, never, every great person in the entire world who's ever accomplished anything worthwhile, meaningful, and lasting has been a person who has uh, exercised Amazing self-control. That's what it says in the Mishnah. You have to learn to be And the way to do that is to exercise that muscle within you that needs exercising because otherwise it will become flabby. And this is the muscle of withholding, of saying, you know what, Adkan, to work on being the balabas of you. And if you don't feel like doing something, to do it anyways, because that is what's so, so critical. That's what's so key in order to become great, to exercise that self-control muscle. You know, I, I want to tell you a story about my son. I have a son in there, Israel. And I'm, I, I went to Israel a few months ago, and, um, and I, I went out with him. He's learning in the Mir Yeshiva. He's learning by Ashari Ali. It's a beautiful shir. And I asked him to spend, to spend the day with me. So we went out. We passed the store that sells, sells baked goods. And my son, he's quite skinny. So I, you know, I said, come, whatever you want, I'd love to buy you. So we walked into the store, and I said, okay, you know, just, just take whatever you want, 
boxes, boxes, bags, whatever you whatever you want, and you'll bring it back to your dorm, and you'll have what to eat. So he takes a bag, and he puts in it four or five rugelach. I said, okay, what else? He goes, no, 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 that's it. I said, I don't understand. I'm offering you whatever you want. I'm going to go back to America. You're going to be on your own. This is your opportunity. Don't you get hungry during the, the day? So he said, well, I don't eat during the day. I don't snack. I said, why don't you? You don't snack in the middle of the day? You don't buy snacks? He says, no, I don't eat during the day uh, outside of meals. So I said, can you explain it to me? He said, yeah, I'll explain it to you. He says that he's in the Mir Yeshiva, and the Mir Yeshiva around breakfast time and lunch time and dinner time, there are thousands of Bachram who go down to the lunchroom. And he, he said, when I come down to the lunchroom, and there are so many Bachram, it could take 20 minutes or more to get my food. And it's a balagan, and everyone's grabbing, and, and, it, and it's all this bitles man. He said, I can't afford 20 minutes when I could be learning. So what I started doing was I started uh, going down 20 minutes, 25 minutes later after everyone had taken their food, and this way there would be no line, and I wouldn't have to waste time. The only thing is, very often I would come, and there would be very little food left. So he said that because there was very little food left, what I found myself doing during the day, since I ended up being hungry, was I would go out to the store and I'd buy uh, potato chips or I'd buy something to quell my hunger. But he said, but then it ruins the whole point because the whole point of not running down to the meal quickly is because I don't want to waste time uh, in line when I could be learning. But instead now, I'm going to end up wasting time by running to the store. So I made a bulinader that uh, I'm not going to eat outside of the meals. And therefore, whatever I'm able to eat, whatever food they have left, that's what I'll eat. But I don't need to eat anything else. And therefore, I only took four or five ragulach because the only exception is Friday when they don't serve meals, so then I really have nothing to eat. So this is what I'll have for next Friday. I'll have some ragulach for the day. And I'm looking at this, this bacher, bacher of mine, a 22-year-old bacher, and this amazing gechashment of self-control not to run down and grab the food in the, in the beginning, not to run down and grab chicken and this and that. And then, because you're hungry, you want to run out and get something, so you decide you're not going to. And the whole day, the self-control, a quarter to 11, he goes to bed. In the morning, he wakes up for the first uh, 20 minutes after he wakes up. He has a coffee, and he hazards taryag mitzvahs. That's a Seder in the morning. To have total bias over you, to have total self-control. How many people could use this lesson when it comes to Shmira Seinayim? Looking at things they shouldn't be looking at. How many people could use this lesson when it comes to overeating? To learn how to say no, to push the plate away. How many people could use this lesson when it comes to chaos, when it comes to 
getting angry and creating an Ema Yaseira in the house, that extra level of anger and tension in the house. How many people could use this lesson where they won't be frustrated? So, so I think it is a, um, I think it's just an amazing and incredible uh, key and tool to become great in this world. And if you want to become great, learning self-control is just a, a huge, huge key. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Let's hazard, uh what the first five were. Number one, don't judge. Don't be the kind of person who walks in the room and has a comment or has a face or is the kind of person who people feel judged around. You won't have atzlacha in life and you won't be a person who ruach habriyas menu. Number two, learn how to validate. Learn to tell a person, I understand you, I hear you, I can sympathize with you, I can empathize with you. Learn how to give proper validation. Number three, transform yourself into a person of positivity. And these are, you know, some of these may sound like, oh, this is, this is like you could be reading a Goyesha book and get these same, these same eights. But I want to tell you something, my friends. Chachm of a Goyim Taimon. This does not come from a Goyesha book. I did not read this in a Goyesha book. This is my yeshiva background, my yeshiva upbringing, together with my own life experience and Ma'amare Chazal, all combined to get these, these eight keys. And I see... I see people who are pessimistic. I see those people who are bitter, and they're on their Facebook, they're on their Twitter, they're on their blogs. They are there to, to impugn everyone. Nobody is good but them. Nobody is. Everyone has to be judged. I look at those people, and I say, wow, if they would only realize how much they're sabotaging themselves and their success in this world, uh, they would not be doing this. Okay, number four. Remember, your past is your past. Let it go. Don't let it bog you down. The feeling of guilt that you may have thought was a mitzvah is actually an avera. Right? We are not living in a dar that can dwell, dwell on every avera. Right now, we're living in a door that needs optimism and positivity. We're living in a door where you, at the end of your days, and me, at the end of my days, would be proud to call ourselves Ba'alei Tshuva. We'd be proud to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I've returned to you, Shuva Eli, via Shuva Aleichem, Um Hashem. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. Number five, work on your self-control muscle. Give yourself exercises, right? Allow the person to go in front of you in line. Work on not being too anxious by a red light or by a stop sign. Learn to control. Become the balabas over your nat- natural instincts. Your natural instincts may want to do one thing, control them. Okay, we're going to take a break. Let's, very quickly, we're getting some text messages. Even though I did not give out the numbers, I'll give out the numbers now. Although it's late in the day, but you still can call in if you'd like. 718 
718-683-5858. You could also text us at 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. If you go onto the app, the JRoot app, you can find it on the JRoot website, and you could download the app. It's very easy to text in a message. We'll read you a few of the notes that we have received. One person writes, What a treat and honor to have your wife speak on the program. I totally agree. Next person writes, You're right, Rav Klatsko. My kids listen to the CDs of Rabbi Jervel of Kibbutz Aim, and they started to help me around the house automatically, Baruch Hashem. What a wonderful note. Next person writes, Thank you for another inspiring program. While you were on the subject of children davening next to their father, my wife and I have three sons, and I never, ever push my children to daven. I don't care if my kids looked around, played with their tie, fell asleep during davening, etc., etc., and surprise, surprise, now they're in their late teenage years, and one of them is in their 20s, and when I see them davening, when I see their sincere kavana, I shep such nachas that a few words cannot describe this nachas. One important key is to daven in shul where the other men in shul take davening seriously, and then via osmosis, the children figure out on their own. Of Baruch please continue to send you and all Ka Yisrael such Sheva Bragavatzacha in all their endeavors. Thank you. What a beautiful note. We have a phone call. Marilyn, you're on the phone. Yes, I want to thank you so much for your fantastic program. I've been listening uh, this morning, and the story about your son at the mirror and Erchisrael was just fantastic. I took notes, and I'm going to share it with other people. So oh, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling in. All right. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we'll take a quick break, and then we will finish the last three keys to greatness, we will chaz them all, and as Hashem, uh, you will have a beautiful avoider to work on this week. We are sponsored by Shabbat.com. There is a donate button on the site. Click donate and help me with that mitzvah. I need your help. I am telling you this, Bipat Mully, with an open heart, I pay for it out of pocket. It costs me where up to $16,000 a month to keep the website going and to keep it growing. It's very, very expensive. Programming is expensive. Servers are expensive. Email, uh, email services, we use three different ones. Very expensive to make sure the invites come in and shidduchim are made. If you have Meister and you want to help me, I will be eternally grateful for that. And all you need to do is go on to Shabbat.com. Even if you're not logged in, you'll see a big, fat donate button. Help me out. The best thing you could do is become a monthly donor. It all comes off of your miser, so you won't even feel it. And even more so, the G'dayim have told me that donating to Shabbat.com is included in Oitzah Shabbos Yantiv. It is included in money that is spent for Shabbos and Yantiv, where we have a Havtacha that you're going to get the money right back. So is that not amazing that you're able to give tzedakah and get the money back? So all you'll be doing is reaching out to the whole Jewish world, and you'll get the money back, and you'll get tzedakah, and you'll have my eternal gratitude. So please go on to Shabbat.com and click the Donate button. We will come back in a moment. Um, and by the way, don't forget, JRoot also can use your donations. What a mitzvah it is to spread Torah worldwide. You can go on to their website and donate as well. Keep mitzvahs going, and we will bring Mashiach. You're listening to Rabbi Vincent Klatsko on 97.5 JRoot Radio. 
Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We are, we are right near the end. There's lots and lots to speak about, the ways to become great. We just received a message. Somebody writes, enjoying and learning from your show as usual. I'm reminding you again about completing our pledge to Shabbat.com. Oh, thank you very much for that. And I will be in touch with you. Here we go. Next... Um, Next, last three. Actually, last three. We're going to try to accomplish them in nine minutes. Three, three uh, minutes, a, uh, a key to greatness. Number six. You want to become great? Have a project. You want to accomplish in this world? You need to have a GPS. And on, in the GPS, you need to put something. You need to put a destination. And sometimes 
we are satisfied by saying, well, my destination is to be a good Jew. My destination is to raise a beautiful family. And for some people that would be enough, but for many, many, there is a project. And if I were to stop you in the middle of the street and I would say, extracurricular, an extracurricular mitzvah, an extracurricular something that you are doing that is changing the world, that is making you a better parent, a better friend, something that is tapping into your creativity. What project are you involved with? I cannot understand a person who does not have a project. There's a certain dullness, a certain lack of motivation. You want to know why people sit in front of the television, in front of the computer, their mind atrophies, their brain sort of becomes dull? It's because there is nothing on the horizon for them to look forward to. Rabbi Vigna Miller made tapes. That was his project. His project was to create tapes and books. And so was Ramesha Feinstein. His project was to, spend, to, to spread Torah. Gedolim need a project. Sometimes the project is a chesed. Rav Palm, aside from the yeshiva, had a project called Shuvu. Everyone needs a project. And you have to ask yourself, what is your project? During your downtime, during your free time, when your mind is not worrying about the bills and PTA, what is that thing, that, that extra thing, that extra project? So you want to become great, you should pick something that you're passionate about that you, can, that you can contribute to that allows your creativity. My children yesterday, I have a little karaoke machine, and they began singing. And my daughter, who runs from project to project, she's 12 years old, she just learned how to, how to knit and she knitted a blanket for her new nephew. What a nice project to knit a blanket for your nephew. It's a chesed. It's creative. It's extracurricular. It's not school. It's not homework. It's just love. After that, she sings in front of the karaoke and she composes songs. Again, it's love. It's creativity. It's you feeling like you're tapping in. So you want to be great? Have a project. Number seven, a key to greatness, a key to living a great life, a key to be able to look back when you're an old man or an old woman and say, you know what, this was worth, this was worth it, is, number seven, invest in friends and family. Invest time. Invest effort. Invest love, invest emotion, invest in a phone call, invest in an email, invest in a good Shabbos text message, invest, invest, invest. You see, relationships are like a bank account. This is really key to know. If I go to my bank and I deposit 100 bucks. And then I come back a week later and I say, great, I'd like to make a withdrawal of $10,000. They will say, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. You only deposited 100 so you can only take out 100 Relationships work the same way. If you deposit 100 you cannot take out 10000 
If you deposit in your friends, just kachabas here, kachabas there, a little chaim and a, and a kiddush, but there's no real deposit, then there'll never be a withdrawal that you can make. And if you do, it will be rude, it will be uncalled for, it will be inappropriate. The same way with your own children. You could only withdraw what you deposit. And therefore, great people know, great people understand, invest in friend and family. I want to tell you, one of the hallmarks, the highlights of great people, is they end up going to chasanas of friends and family. It's really interesting. They'll end up going to these chasanas, and even though you say, wow, they're so busy, they're a principal in a school, or they, they, they could have easily excused themselves, and no one would have said boo, no one would have had any complaint. Even so, they invest in their friend and family. They view that as a wise investment, and great people know that. Last thing, step number eight. Live with Hashem. Consider Hashem your friend. Hashem is a Yedid Nefesh. Of course, Hashem is a parent. Hashem is a father. Hashem is a king. Hashem is all the above. But day to day, when you want to live with Hashem, when things get rough, remember you have a friend on high who cares about you. And, the, and, and speak to Hashem wherever you are. Great people, particularly in, in Judaism, great people live with Hashem. And it doesn't mean do mitzvahs. Everyone does mitzvahs. Everyone davens. Everyone keeps Shabbos. But it doesn't mean they are living with Hashem on a day-to-day basis. Remember, Hashem is your friend. And this is not, this is not um, rude. It's not uncalled for. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I am your Yedid. I love you. You're my dearest friend. I care about you. Okay, so let's quickly review. Here we go. All eight. The eight keys to becoming great. Number one, stop judging people. Stop judging things. Make your body language scream that you accept and people will feel comfortable around you. Number two, learn to validate others' feelings. And this has to be with your mouth. You speak about with your mouth. Say, I would like to let you know that I understand what you're going through, or I feel bad for you, or I'm right there with you. Number three, become an optimist. No great people were pessimists. Nobody who changed the world for the better was a pessimist. Number four, the past is in the past. Leave it there. Let it go, like the Baal Shem Tov says. Let it go. March on. Don't let your past weigh you down. Today is a new day, and it's the first day in the rest of your life. Number five, learn how to exercise self-control. What a beautiful, important lesson, whether it comes to food, whether it comes to learning, whether it comes to anger, Whatever, whatever you have a difficulty in, exercise that muscle bepoil. Don't say, well, this is just me. Self-control is the key to greatness. Number six, have a project. Know what it is that you're in the middle of. It should tap into your creativity. You should be passionate about it. 
it should be able to help other people have a project outside of your marching orders as a husband, a wife, a mother, a father. Number seven, invest in family and friends. Investing is a wise investment to let your families and friends have a part of your time. It is something that will stand you in good stead later on in your life, and it will, it will only be a support system for you whenever you need it. And number eight, remember Hashem is your friend. Live with Hashem day to day. Speak to Hashem. Feel comfortable with Hashem. We are not like the Christians who sit there and, and are scared and they have their decorum in their church. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our friend. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us and takes care of us and is looking out for us. Remember that. Someone writes, there's a wonderful show every week. Is there a way I can mail a donation to Shabbat.com? Yes, you can mail the donation. I would very much appreciate that. Once again, you can mail it to Shabbat.com. The address is number four. The street is Wanamaker Court. Wanamaker is W-A-N-N-A-M-A-K-E-R. Wanamaker Number four, Wanamaker Court, Muncie, New York, 10952. 10952. If you uh, didn't catch that, you can, you can uh, call the program again and we'll text you. I very much appreciate it. I wish everyone an amazing week, a week of fulfillment, a week of simcha, and a week of greatness. You've been listening to Rabbi Ben Klatsko on 97.5 J Root Radio.